0: on the google play or app store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today welcome to wired to hunt's rut fresh radio bringing you the latest reports from the whitetail woods and now your hosts casey smith and tyler jones
2: this is Rut Fresh Radio Powered by Vortex. I'm your host, KC Smith. This week we're talking about overcoming adversity to find early season
3: success. All right, welcome to Wired Hunt's Rut Fresh Radio brought to you by Vortex. We are back for another season. This is our weekly episode that comes out throughout all the fall hunting season, breaking down the latest in whitetail intel from across the country. We're going to be chatting with folks from different regions, learning about what deer are doing right now, what kind of tactics are working right now, how different variables like weather, moon, time of year, any of that stuff is impacting deer hunting. This show is all about helping you become more effective right now in the deer woods. So that's what we've been doing for something like seven years now, I think, maybe. And it has been, I think, one of the most valuable things we've brought to the Wired Hunt podcast. So they say if it's not broke, don't fix it. But we've had to fix Rough Fresh Radio. We're switching it up. Because old Spencer Newharth is no longer with us, and he is—I mean—he's kicking. He's alive, heart beating. He's still out there. But you're gonna hear—you're gonna hear some different voices in the pod. You just heard the very uh, loud, exciting laughter of our two new hosts of Refresh Radio. Spencer is out, and Casey Smith and Tyler Jones of The Element are in welcome to the show gentlemen thanks mark thank you mark
2: next man up dude that's it we're ready we had an obituary and a birth notice all in the same (laughs) (laughs) sentence there
3: (laughs) yeah man i mean spencer spencer was great but i think everybody listening just knew we were just waiting for an upgrade year after year they kept thinking man there's got to be someone better than this we finally found him
2: Uh, no. no, Mark, I can remember back to uh, the first. I can't remember if it was the first year Rup Fresh was around, but I listened uh, the first time at least, and was pretty impressed with Spencer like being able to call around and compile the the knowledge and stuff, you know, from from different directions across the country. I thought it was pretty cool, man. I like it
3: Spencer Spencer did a really good job. and uh, and we will miss him. I will miss him. Good buddy. but uh, he's moving on up in the world. He now hosts. Meet, uh, the meat eater trivia podcast. And that takes up a lot of his time. So he simply just doesn't have the bandwidth to do this anymore. So uh, Spencer's moving on up to the meat eater uh, throne. And us here in the Wired Hunt world are uh, <laughs> bringing in some new talents. So uh, the show's going to stay the same, right? We're still going to do the same format. We're going to be hearing from folks all across the country each week. Uh, but you guys, I think, are going to bring a different flavor to it which i like um you know one thing i used to give spencer a really hard time about was that he didn't hunt whitetails for big chunks of the year anymore especially since he moved to montana he was all about elk and mule deer and stuff and then he'd go out in november and i always razzed him about it but you guys i mean with a few exceptions you guys are going to be getting after it all year and um i think that's going to give us some really interesting insight throughout as well so i guess before i get ahead of myself too much Can the two of you, can you each give us a little introduction for people that haven't heard and and hopefully they know who you are. I know you've both been on the Wired Hunt podcast a good amount over the years, but could you each kind of give a quick introduction to who you are and then maybe collectively tell us a little bit about what your, you know, what your project, the element is, what you guys do over there?
2: Yeah, sure, man. So I'm Casey Smith. I'm from Northeast Texas. I hunt deer. And I'm a family man, I'm a youth minister. I do a lot of what I think is cool stuff because it's I'm doing it. you probably don't, but that's okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and honestly, um man, it's hard to Tyler will probably do better at this. he's more articulate, but um it's hard to kind of separate myself from uh what Tyler and I both do now because we've been doing this for. So hard for so long, you know, Uh, we travel the country and hunt deer every chance we get pretty much and then do our best to uh, experience the outdoors within other parts
4: of the season and uh, with other parts of the year. So that's kind of who I am, man. I'm Tyler Jones. I am also from Northeast Texas and uh, I love to deer hunt, but I grew up bass fishing a lot, catfishing on Lake Fork, Texas, which is a world famous bass, largemouth bass lake um, and also have a family of four that I really love to be around. Uh, it's hard this time of year to, to not be around them because of all the traveling we get, we do, but it is still super blessing that we get to go and do that stuff and, and, uh, just witness so many cool things. Um, I am also a, uh, I'd call myself a small stream aficionado. I'm not a lumper like Mark. Um, I uh, I do think that there are more than one cutthroat species out there. It's a topic and, uh, for a whole other podcast. Yeah, <laughs> so we'll we'll get into that at some point. So y'all just hold on to that for a little bit. Yeah. Ah, uh, yeah, man. So uh,
3: I got to tell the audience that I can I can I can vouch for Tyler. I cannot vouch for KC yet. But I just spent a week. <laughs> In the woods with Tyler, and I can vouch for him now. Uh, he is he is the real deal and a dang good fisherman to boot. So, uh, <laughs> Casey, you're gonna have to prove yourself to me here soon. Maybe in December we'll get when we get together
4: we Ooh. can do that.
3: But uh, Tyler, it was a great time. I'm really glad we got to do that trip.
4: I agree man i thought I thought you were uh gonna be a bad fisherman, but you were pretty good too, so <laughs> at least we were both better than Alan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah they were just at least smart enough to take the streamer off you know, <laughs> you know
3: that, that's all we had to do so yeah. uh so give give folks a little bit more of an idea of of what you guys produce at the element I mean, you do videos on your youtube channel, you do a podcast, but if you had to describe like what makes the element unique, or or why it's worth watching. You know what's what's your shtick, and maybe shtick's the wrong word, but like what's your thing?
2: If you're in the south, shtick is definitely the wrong word. It's not really a thing to
4: <laughs> say. It out here. The flavor you is got, biscuits if, and gravy, yeah, Mark,
2: with jalapenos for sure. That's that's the shtick. Um, I, I think that um, it, I'll Tyler will have a better answer than me, but um, kind of the thing that at least makes us who we are. I don't want to say makes us unique because that's a perspective from someone else, not from myself is that, um, we have kind of a diehard attitude, but also make sure we have fun doing everything we do. Uh, and that's kind of, um, the way we operate, man. We, we try to experience things, tell stories and make sure that we give a positive outlook, you know, like, uh, I think that um hunting needs to be preserved for the future. And if we continue on as whitetail hunters, specifically with like this diehard um I'm gonna go hunt by myself and this is terrible until I shoot the deer mentality, then it's not very attractive to other people. So uh I think it would be better to be able to portray that in a positive light and say how awesome it is to be in all these different environments. Ecosystems around the country and show people how cool deer are and how much fun you can have hunting and how it's a great bonding experience and uh, being able to convey that via video and podcasts is is pretty cool,
4: man. Yeah, for sure. I mean that that's like that spurs straight from KC too. Like, um, the 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 optimistic side is definitely something that I've learned from him, Um, and that is why we're able to have fun even when it's not uh, great conditions or, you know, things aren't quite going your way. Um, so yeah, I mean, I definitely agree. Like, uh, the idea is to have fun, uh, because hunting is just a privilege that we have and there's no reason to go out and just suffer and struggle. Uh, of course it's not always fun. Right. But like there, there needs to be some sort of an optimistic attitude to get you through those moments because overall it'll make them the experience more fun. So I definitely, uh, Concur with what KC's saying there. Yeah, well, I I can
3: echo what you're saying, and from a viewer's perspective, tell you that uh, you guys are doing a great job of conveying that fun. If there's anything I, if I had to lump you guys into any one category, I would <laughs> I would call it <laughs> I would call it the fun category. You guys, yeah. Uh, yeah. you guys definitely have a good time out there, and it comes through, and it, and it makes. Viewing your stuff, listening to your stuff, it makes it all that much more enjoyable, too. So, I'm excited about you bringing that to Rot Fresh Radio because if there's anything that Spencer is not, it's fun. <laughs> <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I love this
4: podcast. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's hilarious.
3: So, all right. Before we sh- crap on Spencer anymore, um, <laughs> it, when, you, when we first started talking about this earlier this summer, about you guys taking over. And you started thinking through, all right, how are we going to put our spin on Refresh Radio? How are we going to do it? How are we going to fit into our schedules and everything? Was there anything, you know, when you think about the rest of the season, is there anything that comes to mind as far as tweaks you're thinking about changing or or different ways or different things you think might be a little bit more unique because of what you're doing or where you're going to be? I guess what I'm getting at is, is what should our listeners have to look forward to over the next four months? Is there anything you you can think of that comes to mind on that one
4: i mean yeah i mean the first thing that comes to mind there is um a can probably take up uh take it up an octave or so probably in the register department (laughs) uh also yeah (laughs) also definitely a tenor over here yeah Yeah. uh also um just like that that live hunt aspect um uh where we're going to be out so much this year just hunt different places all across the U.S. I mean, I don't know. There's probably like between eight and 10 states that we'll be in this year. And so just that, that'll be another, just, you know, every, every week we'll almost have like a different, an extra state report, you know, because of where we'll yeah. be, I think. So that, that's something that's exciting.
2: Yeah. I think too, um, y'all have done a great job of getting a variety of, of guests, uh, on in the past. But just with new people comes a new network. So it's maybe some fresh voices, some different perspectives, and things of, of people who we know and and know are are good hunters and can give uh, kind of some new perspectives throughout the season.
3: Yeah, yeah, I think that'll be great. Uh so where are you guys going to be going this fall? What what can we be looking forward to from you guys specifically?
4: Oh man! Uh so the first place that will be uh in September will be basically three states, Colorado, Arizona and uh Nebraska. So our whitetail stuff doesn't actually start until Nebraska later this month I think, but uh we Casey's got elk hunt in Arizona, um super lucky tag draw there. <laughs> um and then I had a I got a mule deer hunt uh, in the high country that I'm really excited about. Took me a long time to draw, so uh, yeah, super excited about those things. After that, it looks like, uh, you know how it is when November hits. Sometimes it's like just, you know, spur of the moment, like, oh, I just killed a deer. Now I think I'll go somewhere else, you know? So, uh, really, um, South Dakota, uh, um, Illinois. Wisconsin, potentially yeah. Yeah. Illinois, uh, Oklahoma, Kansas are, are all ones that we, we hope to go to Arkansas, uh, and then, of course, uh, Texas is something that we'll be spending some time in as well. Which uh, we'll see you down at some point down here. Um, mm-hmm. Hopefully, trying to keep up, you know, with the spicy foods and stuff. I don't know how you do with those things. Uh, I like spicy food. The question is, can you keep up with all long strides? Oh, <laughs> um, <laughs> and luckily i don't have to film you we'll have somebody else having to keep up with you <laughs> oh
3: man i'm uh, i'm looking forward to that hunt that'll be an epic rut fresh radio episode that we record uh during the midst of that hunt but yeah. uh all right guys well i am really really excited for this i appreciate you joining the team and uh helping us out with rut fresh this fall and I guess from here, I'm going to let you take the reins and run with it. It's your baby now, so take good care of it, all right?
2: Sounds good, man. He's been practicing. Yeah, <laughs> I got a couple babies, so I'll be good at that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
3: all right. Appreciate it. I'm excited to hear the uh, hear the stories this week.
2: Cool. This week, we're going to talk to Jared Larson from OnX, who's been in Wyoming. We're going to talk to the Elements' own Hunter Dickens, hunting in Tennessee, mark haslam in georgia and then we're going to wrap it up with alex comstock from whitetail dna who's been up in north dakota on the phone now i've got jared larson the killer from onyx he's been hunting in wyoming dude how are things
5: casey good to hear from you buddy it has been hot uh not ideal weather conditions highs in the 90s lows in those upper 60s but so far in camp we've done pretty well um We've seen a fair amount of deer movement for the, the given weather, both morning and evening. Uh, in fact, the two, the three deer that have now been killed in camp were all killed on morning hunts, uh, which is pretty atypical of this time of year. Um, but I'd say I'd say hunting has been solid. You know, for the first week, unpressured deer, uh, they seem to do, they seem to be doing unpressured deer things.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's an exciting time to be in the woods. is <laughs> Whenever the deer just aren't used to people, it's a, it's a good time. And you actually capitalized on that and shot a cranker of an opening day buck man
5: well i appreciate that yeah i mean uh i i can't really take a whole lot of credit here my uh good buddy aaron helped put me on that deer he had hung the stand for me um i'd gone out there with him you know the evening before we glassed some deer um actually didn't see the buck i ended up killing the next morning but it was one of those stands where we were either gonna see a buck that we wanted to shoot or we weren't gonna see a deer at all we were tucked in a bedroom Um, you know, those morning hunts in September while they're still out feeding, particularly here in Northeast Wyoming, you know, it's a lot of egg pivots that they're feeding on coming Mm -hmm. up back into the draws for bedding. And so that's where we were sitting and shoot. I mean, I first saw him at 23 yards and shot him at 10 yards. I mean, it was a a whopping, you know, 45 second encounter as they are sometimes, but (laughs) yeah, it was a a great buck and uh, I was stoked. I've never shot one on uh, September 1st. That's for sure.
2: Dude, he's beautiful. Had some kickers and stuff and he's big
5: framed. What what how many scoreable points did he end up having? He had fourteen actually. Right, he has dude. uh he's he's just a mainframe eight, but then he has six different daggers that are over an inch like coming off of his bases. And I mean a couple of them are three, four inches. I mean, just a really unique buck as far as you know the character he's got all over his bases. And he actually must have just came out of velvet uh, within the day or so. Cause he just had that blood red stained antlers. Uh, it was super cool buck.
2: Yeah. That's cool. How are you going to preserve that guy? You're going to, so shoulder mount, you're going to do a Euro. What are you thinking?
5: I'm a Euro guy. Yeah. Euros, Euros for sure. Uh, I have a few shoulder mounts and, uh, they're tough to move and expensive. So <laughs> that's right. uh year, Euros are, are my style for
2: a while. Well, you kill as many big deer as Jared Larson does. You can't you just don't have enough room for too many uh, shoulder mounts, you know. You got well,
5: that's that's more <laughs> pillow fluffing than I deserve, but I appreciate you. <laughs>
2: yeah, you're welcome, man. So uh did you expect to go in and kill on that morning hunt? Is that a thing that you, you felt good about, or was it kind of a taking time until the standard evening? kill time that most people associate with early season
5: yeah no i absolutely did not expect to go in there and shoot a deer in the first 45 minutes of the season i figured you know we were going to sit in those bedrooms and, and you know how it is hunting a buck bedroom like anytime that you're in an area that especially early season a buck is habitually using whether it's um, on a particular wind direction or, you know, there's other patterns that you can start to put together if you're able to watch some deer for, uh, you know, a couple days in advance. Um, and so my buddy Aaron had been able to do that out here. And uh, and so he, he he said it was probably about a 50 50 shot. Whether a buck came in there is how he felt about it. So um, but I expected this to be very much an evening hunt thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, with highs in the 90s, the mornings have been much cooler. Uh, the weather is supposed to drop off. Over here in this part of the world, in in Wyoming, Montana, the west here, North Dakota, um, in about five days, you know, the highs are in like the 60s, low 70s. So I would imagine the evenings will really kick in here pretty quick.
2: Mm, Yeah, that's cool. So are you seeing deer also relate to water sources with it being so hot?
5: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Quite a few folks here have been hunting, you know, just just water holes, um, you know, guzzlers, that type of thing.
2: Mm -hmm. Do you see them doing that? earlier in the afternoon or is that a last lot type thing
5: yeah from from what i've seen it it's pretty much seemingly right when you uh start first seeing those deer getting up out of bed headed to a water source getting a drink before they go find food
2: Mm, yeah cool so definitely plenty of shooting lot if you're hunting over a water source on a hot day are you seeing bucks still in bachelor groups or they already pretty much
5: split up you know so about half the bucks out here are still in velvet about half are out in fact we saw one last night that was in full velvet, and this morning he was completely shed. You know, just That's blood cool. red antlers was super cool in the sun. Um, and so they're definitely hanging out in groups, in my experience. You know, that will really prolong through quite a bit of September here, um, from what I've seen, particularly in the West here, North Dakota, Montana, Wyoming zone area. Um, so yeah, I would I would expect to see bucks together.
2: Yeah, cool. So if you were predicting for guys that maybe. Uh, had to work you know, for the opener, but are about to get out on this weekend and throughout the next week. What's your predicted buck movement level, if you say like zero, as opposed to just them going crazy?
5: Well, so the high tomorrow is 100, hmm. uh, at least where I'm at. So I, I would definitely, um, if you can and you are able to pinpoint a, a betting area, I'd be sitting as tight to that as you possibly can. Uh, If you can slip in there undetected in the morning um, to get that, you know, first half hour of shooting light movement. Uh, And then in the evening, just focus on shade. You know, again, if you don't know exactly where a buck is bedding, if you can find a combination of, of shade, good, green food sources and water, that's the other thing I've noticed out here. You know, a lot of times you just so much of what you're looking at is dry And, uh, there, there's just in, in the shady wet spots, just neon green grass, um, as compared to everything around it. And to no surprise, that's where we've seen the most deer congregate in the evenings when they go out and feed is just that best food source available that also can keep them cool.
2: Mm, Yeah, dude. Killer info there, man. Really appreciate that. And congrats on that. Dead gum cool buck, man. That's so awesome.
5: Well, I appreciate it, KC. It's always a pleasure, and uh hope to do this again at some point later this fall.
2: Yeah, hopefully you kill like seven more, and we get to talk every time. <laughs> On the phone now, we have got the Elements own HTH, as we call him, or Hunter the Hunter, Hunter Dickens. What's up, dude?
6: Hey, KC. How's it going? It is great.
2: <laughs> I hear you uh, just got off the road from slocking a bunch of doves, and you actually slocked a uh, sweet Tennessee velvet buck in the uh, special velvet season that they had recently.
6: It is uh, between those two hunts. It's been quite the quite the week for me. Uh, I've got a full freezer which we are about to start gnawing into here pretty soon.
2: <laughs> Do you have some uh, special recipes planned to combine that uh, that whitetail and the doves together?
6: Uh, I, I'm thinking about a stuffed uh, whitetail. Oh, stuffed yeah. It's kind of like a turducken
2: yeah. but different. It's like a turbucken. Yeah,
6: like <laughs> yeah, a deer dove. And-
2: <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. So you went up and uh hunted some pretty early dates for at least what the Midwest would consider in the special velvet season in Tennessee. Um you kind of went up there side unseen a little blind. I understand. And uh how did that go for you?
6: Yeah, it was uh it was very side unseen and blind. Uh, season started the 26th and ended the 28th so a real short uh hot season for this time of year too uh with that being said though the the weather we had a couple breaks in weather thank goodness um and so most the the scouting was kind of done from the stand or on the ground during the hunt gotcha it was all just information i was taking in during the hunt we did we showed up one day early, so we got to scout the evening before season started, and that was all the knowledge we basically had.
2: Mm-hmm. Now, traditionally, uh, deer are just hitting soybeans this time of year pretty hard because they're still green and it's just a really great protein source. Did you see that that was the case on your hunts?
6: I did. Uh, I, I noticed a lot of deer real close to the ag, so uh, I was really focused in on bedding areas just within probably two to three hundred yards of the ag because again temperatures are hot those deer aren't going to be moving a ton they're going to be sticking close to their food sources and their water sources uh for this time of year so that was something that i really took consideration on Gotcha.
2: And that actually helped you set up, man, you're like the last morning, dude. That's just, I've been with you for a few years and you like to shoot stuff on the last morning possible uh, just to give it some drama. And that's exactly what you did. I think, uh, you were up there hunting with our buddy, Chad from cruiser saddles and, uh, had the intent of going in and doing just that, but kind of had to call an audible last minute.
6: Yes. Yes, we did. So we got dropped off early that morning uh greg was the cameraman with me that day and when we got dropped off i said uh greg we're gonna be super tight on these deer going in because these deer are in a very uh kind of nocturnal stage right now they haven't lost any velvet but it's hot in the day so they're just feeding when it's most comfortable and casual to them so i I told greg as we're going through these beams we're going to be right on top of deer so we're not using lights you just I'm gonna lead the way you step where I step. we're gonna be as quiet as we can, and we walked past deer uh twenty yards away. You could hear their antlers raking in the soybeans as they were eating. I mean, it was just hair standing uh type situation, <laughs> so sounds funny <laughs> snuck past some monsters in the dark. I'm assuming they in the dark they at least had to have been two hundred inches by by how much soybeans they were moving. <laughs> <And> <laughs> We got past them, and, and we're going to set up in this bedding area. I dropped a pin on it the night before. I was like, man, this is the spot. Uh, it's about 150 yards down a draw uh, in a bedding area uh, away from the soybeans. I was like, we're going to get in here and set up. And once we broke the crest of that draw, I could hear deer relatively close to us within 40, 50 yards. Uh, I mean, we were walking very, very quietly and carefully. And so I I was whispering to Greg, I was like, we can't go into the bedding area. They're already in there. So let's turn around and go get up on the cusp of this this drainage um, and see if we can catch some deer coming out of these soybeans. And we had a little buffer zone, probably, uh, or staging area, whatever you want to call it, probably about 60 yards wide. uh, And it was just beautiful habitat. And we're working our way. We'd only gotten into this drainage maybe 40 yards. And we turn around and there is a buck skylighted or moonlighted <laughs> on the cusp of this ridge and greg goes to turn the camera on and i you know kind of forcefully hit him in the chest to stop him from from lighting us up real bad with the camera and it's just uh one of those things it just kind of takes experience to know uh because that buck was working his way to us and ended up getting within about 15 yards of us and milling around and we could hear him eating and he eventually worked off. That's what happens when you got a good wind and you're super stealthy, but we walked up to the crest, the crest and, uh, could hear deer around us. And I'm like, you know, I told Greg, I said, it's just too quiet to try and get in a tree right now. The best thing we can do is get on the West side of a tree and stay in the shade as this sun starts to come up, we'll just be a shadow in the woods. And when these deer come out of the field, we'll be ready. So that's what, that's what we ended up doing.
2: And how did that work out for you, sir?
6: That ended up with a 20 yard on the ground. Perfect broadside shot on a, in my book, monster, Tennessee (laughs) velvet (laughs) buck.
3: That's what I'm
2: talking about, dude. Uh, It's so cool. And you know, I kind of have a little extra insight into this just because you and I were talking through the whole hunt and, uh, Mm -hmm. that was uh, a well appreciated deer for sure. Just because of how hard that hunt was for you. I know.
6: Yes. So that was actually, aside from deer in the dark, that was the first buck we saw in legal shooting line. (laughs) So the opportunity was not going to be passed. Hey, you're one for
2: one, dude, on Tennessee (laughs) Doublet bucks. So congratulations, Hunter.
6: Yeah, I am a thousand percent right
2: there. I tell you that. It's <laughs> an awesome buck. And it sounds like you Sing had one. the camera guy Greg with you.
6: So does that mean this thing is on film? That means it's on film and it's gonna be up on the element YouTube here pretty soon. Awesome, dude. I'm excited
2: to get to watch that thing in its entirety for show. Sure. Uh so yes, with all that being said, congrats on the great buck in Tennessee. Um as more seasons start to open up and we have, you know, like the Kentucky velvet season that opens this week. What do you expect uh buck movement to be going forward here with some cooler temperatures? I, I looked at the actual forecast for that area and we're looking at uh, some pretty rainy weather really uh, for the upcoming
6: days. Oh man, I wish you could see me right now. I've got goosebumps on me. That just makes me get, <laughs> that just makes me get all excited. But <laughs> uh, these cooler temperatures rolling in, those bachelor groups are going to break up. The bucks are going to, be off for a couple of days losing their velvet. So if y'all lose them on camera for a while, uh, don't be too worried. They, As long as you've got your cameras in the right spot, they're going to show back up. But they're going to venture off, lose that velvet, and come back in uh, mostly in singles. You may have uh, some of your smaller, uh, more uh, immature bucks uh, still grouped up in twos or threes, but your mature bucks uh, are going to be getting ready to start roaming here soon
2: mm, that's cool Except yeah this, i like the idea that
6: idea yes sir establishing their 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 home ranges
2: so put a number on it between one and ten what you expect the the buck movement to be in daylight over the next week
6: uh i think it's going to be a lot better so i would say probably uh i'd expect a six or a seven versus you know here in the past two weeks i would expect yeah you know, i judged that it to be a, a four to five and I think with the velvet coming off, it's going to be a 6-7 to type situation. It's going to be more than favorable.
2: Awesome. Well, Hunter, again, congrats on the great buck, dude. And I can't wait to see what else you put down this season.
6: Oh, yes, sir. More monsters coming y'all's way.
2: I have got Alex Comstock with Whitetail DNA on the phone right now. And late at night last night, while I was perusing the socials, I saw this guy post a story picture, and it was just an obscure angle of a big...
0: Now, a lot of you guys are familiar with the old hunting tradition of eating, you know, some organ, the heart or a chunk of liver off the first animal you kill. I had that when I was a little kid, and it was a big deal. and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash eater. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash eater.
3: We've all seen plenty of gadgets and fads come and go. But here's one product that stood the test of time. Seafoam Motor Treatment. because people everywhere rely on it to keep their trucks, boats, and small engines running the way they should the entire season. So help your engine run better and last longer. Pick up a can of Seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit SeafoamWorks.com to learn more.
2: Velvet Buck, which is what these guys like to do to us. They like to tease us now, man. Apparently you have killed a buck. Is that correct? I did, yeah. I was able to to send an arrow through one—that's for sure sweet dude congrats man i know you uh have been working hard out there that's in north dakota right yeah
1: yep we're out in north dakota
2: yeah so north dakota you've been hunting for a long time you're a minnesota native uh so it's just kind of a hop skip and a jump over there for you but it seems to have like gotten the spotlight as of late and uh, i'm sure that has nothing to do with the big bucks you've been putting down out there but uh did, did you see a lot of
1: hunter pressure while you're out there um, we've seen a few people hunting, which honestly, even though just a few people hunting, that I would call that an uptick over <laughs> over the past years where it'd be maybe not seeing anyone else hunting. Yeah, yeah. Did you see that
2: that was uh affecting buck movement as you were scouting and kind of leading up to the hunt?
1: Um, you know, I'm not I don't it could have, especially opening night. Um I was going after a particular deer and had someone get dropped off and shoot right into where I was um expecting the buck to be bedded so that might have affected it. but that's more of a i wouldn't call it a general generalization of like pressure more so isolated case of someone going right into where i thought a buck was bedded
2: gotcha so when you go out to north dakota i know you use a variety of tactics just depending on you know what cameras are lighting up uh or you know i'll let you tell me that (laughs) but did it seem like you were doing the traditional early season uh you know bed to feed type thing or were you getting creative or doing something different there
1: yeah, pretty much, pretty much the traditional early season bed to feed patterns.
2: Mm-hmm. And so what's the major food source up in that Northern part of the country?
1: Oh, uh, like where I'm hunting, it's a lot of, uh, bean fields, mm-hmm. um, primarily. And then in this neck of the woods of North Dakota, there's a lot of areas where a ton of acorns are dropping and, and you can definitely tell bucks are shifting off off the crops a little bit into those acorns.
2: Gotcha. So from the picture. I saw that this buck was in velvet. How many, or give me a ratio, I guess, of what you would say you saw bucks that were in velvet versus shed that first week of September?
1: I'd still say like 90% of the bucks are in velvet. It's like they're most, we've only got, out of all the, the bucks we've seen, and pictures of, I think we only have pictures of a couple that are have a, are hard horned now.
2: That's cool. So it's still definitely a good spot to go for opportunity at a velvet buck. That's nice. I know that, other parts of the country, like down here in Texas, I, I think over half of our deer are shed. So it's kind of cool to see the discrepancy across the country. Is it pretty wet up there? Or would you say it's a drier year?
1: Um, I would say it's probably on the, like right in the middle. Yeah. It's not, you know, it's not overly uh, wet or overly dry. So I'd say, mm-hmm. yeah.
2: Cool. So some of the other guys I've talked to that have uh, taken bucks this early season uh they've all shot their deer in the morning but you're the standout I believe of an evening hunt um is there a specific tactic or thing that you were seeing there that allowed you to take a deer on an evening or was that just uh, when you felt like the stars aligned for you
1: yeah I mean I feel like out here primarily it's weight it's it can be pretty difficult for the spots that I hunt to get into a morning spot without boogering stuff up so we we're hunting you know pretty tight to bed in, in the evening and even so i mean we can get to more but like this buck came out at you know like the last couple minutes of shooting light.
2: yeah wow okay so tell me a little bit about that hunt man how did that go down
1: yeah he is coming kind of on the edge of a woodlot and wheat field and um it was a slow night only had seen a couple of donut a fawn and then with about five minutes to go kind of just blew open and had Bunch of small bucks and does around me, and and this guy came right along the edge of the woodlot and wheat field and worked his way by at twenty yards with about a minute left of shooting light. Oh wow,
2: that's uh that's cool. It's nice when they're close like that because uh man, when it starts getting dark, those shots are hard to make. Yeah, that's
1: yeah. It was yeah. Exactly. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Is this the deer that you have uh some history with?
1: Um, no, he's we have really no clue what buck it was. So you know, this time of year. Um, you know, a lot of those deer, even though he hasn't shed his velvet yet, but you know, kind of, you know, shedding velvet slash kind of starting to shift, you know, potentially where they're kind of going to be spending their fall time and mm-hmm. um, did not know this buck. Yeah.
2: Cool. So I don't know. I've only seen that one side profile picture. What is he, man?
1: He's just, you know, a solid, uh seven pointer, actually probably, a. I don't know if he's a three and a half year old or, uh, two and a half year old buck. He's nothing crazy, but he's, a. He's a good looking deer and he came in and, you know, we had one night left of hunting and he was, uh, got me fired up and you know what I mean? Hey dude, it's all about getting excited. You know, that's what, if yeah. a deer makes you excited, it's
2: fun to shoot them, dude. That's, that's why we do this thing. Exactly. Yeah. Cool. So going forward, uh, if guys were thinking about going and exploring some of this country, um, as kind of the temperatures start to cool a little bit, what do you expect the, uh, buck movement to be for the next week or so up there in North Dakota?
1: You know, I'd expect it to be, um, you know, it looks like with temperatures, it's going to be pretty high for the next few days and then dip back down over the weekend. So I'd de- definitely say there'd be room for uh, for some good buck moving here over the next week. Mm-hmm. If you had to rank it for between one and 10, what are you going to call it? Let's call it, I'd, let's go with a, a Five. All right, five. I think we're going to go right in the middle. Right in the middle. I like it, dude. Yeah,
2: so uh, definitely reason to get out there still. Just expect to have to work for him a little bit, and that's
1: okay, right? Right. I'd say, you know, getting tight-ish to betting, and, you know, um, I I don't think, you know, it's going to go crazy, but I definitely think there's potential.
2: Yeah, cool, dude. Well, congrats on the great buck, dude. I know you work hard out there, and it's cool to see that rewarded, and I hope you have a great rest of the season, man.
1: Appreciate it, dude.
2: We are on the phone with Mark Haslam of southeastwhitetail.com. Mark, you went or are in South Carolina and shot a great, great velvet buck that I am doing my best to not be envious of. Of course, man. It looked like you had a great hunt last week.
7: I did. I appreciate it. Um, Yeah. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I had a great hunt, Uh, went to the farm with some other other guests to hunt Tuesday through Saturday and my hunt ended Thursday morning so I I couldn't I couldn't be I'm still riding high.
2: <laughs>
7: I would imagine
2: man that's super cool. So um I'm assuming this is a hunt that you do on a yearly basis where you're able to go and hunt, you know, kind of a velvet type hunt there in South Carolina. Do you usually expect to see pretty good buck movement that early in the
7: season? Um it, it, most years yes. But there's some years where it's just kind of based on our food plots and based mm-hmm. on and based on what, what a farmer plants. I felt confident based on trail cameras and knowing where they're feeding at night and with just historical data or historical observations, knowing where they bed. I felt pretty confident that we could maybe get, maybe fill two to three tags last week. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, and so did you go into that hunt hunting that buck specifically or more just – uh, just historical patterns of where bucks tend to be.
7: So um, we, I, I, they were the, there were two large bucks that there were that were running together. They were in a bachelor group, but 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 these two big bucks were kind of sticking together, almost like a tag team. And uh, Josh Hilliard came down from First Light. Um, I'm sorry, man. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding. He's he's a good friend. (laughs) Yeah, he's a super nice guy. So it's like, he's one of those, you know, like you follow people on social media and you, and you, it's like you know them and then you finally meet them. But no, Josh is a super cool guy, humble, down to earth, great guy to have at deer camp. Um, And he had a guy, Hunter Rudd from Capture Creative, super nice guy, just a lot of fun. But I'd showed them that first afternoon when they got in there um some of those peanut fields and where I thought these two bucks were betting, and they did get within 75 yards um of both of those bucks, uh, about an hour after first slide going back to betting, but they but he had a bow and they were bow hunting at that point. And um mm-hmm. it just you know seventy-five shot 75 yard shots, obviously too far. Um but that was and then they were chasing those bucks. For most of the week, and then the buck I um I shot Thursday morning. That was simply based off historical data, historical hunting. I I, I shot two velvet bucks back to back in the same hunt, within 200 yards of my tree back in 2019. Same
3: mm-hmm.
7: same same type of setup, morning hunt, catching them going back to this bedding thicket, and uh, I shot a buck last year on the other side of the property. pretty much, pretty much doing that having that same strategy.
2: Mm-hmm. Did you uh, go in boots on the ground style and find a bedding area to set up on there? Or are you just assuming from map scouting or, or what have you, that deer would be moving from food
7: sources to where you're at? Pretty much just assumption, but based on mm-hmm. one, based on real data, they're going to come out at the coolest part of every single day. I mean, every single day, the coolest part of the day is going to be overnight, throughout the summer and mm-hmm. uh, throughout August. They're gonna come out, it might be an hour before daybreak, it might be at 2 a.m., but they're gonna feed all night. Because you gotta remember these, these deer to stay healthy, they on average, per you know, the National Deer Association, they've gotta eat six to eight percent of their body weight every single day. That is a ton of pounds every mm-hmm. single day. So they're probably they're probably gonna consume most of that at night, uh, where it's relatively safe. And then they're going to make their way back. These bucks will within about an hour first light, and that's exactly what this buck did. Um, you know, came right by my tree uh, about forty-five minutes after first light.
2: Man, that's great! It's a great buck, too. Man, tell us a little bit more about that deer.
7: Don't really have much uh, history on him really at all. I'm about ninety percent sure that he's the last deer I saw of my last hunt. Uh, in December of last year,
1: mm-hmm.
7: uh, I saw a buck kind of the uh, same area and he just appeared at gray light on my trail, looking my direction. And I, I tried to get on him, but I really couldn't tell exactly what he was. I mean, I, I knew he was probably a shooter, but I couldn't tell what I was looking at and it just didn't make sense. And Thursday morning, uh, it was raining and, uh, I picked the, I picked the pine tree to climb rifle hunting. My climber faces the tree, so I've got some good leverage kind of brace up against the tree. And I was about 50 yards from a nasty bedding thicket. Um, and I was kind of in line to where I should have some deer filtering out of those feed plots and ag fields going back to that bedding site. And that area, that pine block, has a lot of oaks that were left um, from the last time it was clear cut. So that was good because I picked the tree where i had an oak right behind me and the branches were like right up right up against my back i mean i had an awesome backdrop i did not have a silhouette at all but those other oaks created blind spots for me so what happened is this buck i had i had two doe groups that passed by early on and this buck just appeared he, he just stepped out from behind this oak, you know going down the trail about 35 mm-hmm. yards and it's well after first light but it's still raining and it's still very overcast. I, I couldn't make out even that close exactly what he was. And thankfully, he put his head down and kind of shifted over under some branches of that oak. And that's when I raised my gun. And I've learned from mistakes in the past. There, there's one buck I can think of in the 2016 season where he stepped down on trail and I raised my binoculars first. Looked at him. That's the buck I want to take. Raised my rifle and he's gone. So like, mm. when you see a bug, you know, in the woods like this, you got to raise your rifle, you know, glass him with your rifle, instead of, instead of, especially if he's in shooting range, go ahead and get, get your mm-hmm. gun up. So thankfully there was a blind spot where being that close, um, I could raise my gun because his, his trail was angling towards me. He had two bucks behind him that were much smaller. I think they were, you know, like, like little six points, maybe a four point, um, they were behind them, so they didn't see me and raised my gun up and he I probably took the shot around 25 yards and he was quartering to me, which, you know, um I, I'm I I've taken that shot before at close range. I practice my I practice rifle shooting a lot and I know what my gun does. And I put that bullet um, 150 grain seven mag right between his between his shoulder and his chest went in there blew his shoulder up took out the vitals and it and the bullet got hung up in him didn't exit so he he took the entire force did a j-hook and just crashed and uh it's just it's one of those hunts where like just happened so quickly you know i i i I wasn't seeing other bucks trickle through to get me excited all of a sudden there he was
2: man there's nothing like the satisfaction of, of having a rifle drop one close. You know, it's just pretty uh, yeah. exciting when you uh, just, boom, and it's over. That's very cool, man. Very exciting and gets me super excited for the rest of the season coming up. I looked at the weather forecast for, uh, you know, the extended 10-day right now. And as seasons yeah. start to open up, uh, there's a lot of rain in the forecast and some cooler temperatures. Do you expect the mornings to still be the uh, the time to be – Employing that tactic of hunting near the bedding areas, um, or would you see more of a food source type thing be the thing to look for
7: in the coming week? Um, I would say both, um, based on what I'm about to say. If you get some good food plots um, or fields mm-hmm. or, or some good food sources that that have not been touched, if there's not much pressure on them, hunt them and just see what you see. But we noticed this last week, this early part of the season. I mean, there are hunters that that, that are gonna be blowing the woods up over the next 30, 45 days, just hunting, doing work. And these deer have not been around humans for the most part. Um, especially around hunting hours, you know, daybreak and and uh and last light and you know, six, eight, ten months. So mm-hmm. we sh- I mean, these these bucks in the south are so skittish, they get bumped off their schedule. Very quickly. So, if you have some e- good food sources, hunt them in the evening. Maybe don't get too aggressive and go in too close. Um, hunt them, but then also h- hunt those mornings. Figure out where they bed, um, and uh, see if you can't try to get flush up to the bed and see what you see. People, people talk talk down about hunting hunting mornings until the first cold front in the rut, and I and I really just don't understand. It, other than, you know. I equate it to when people like to hunt certain moon phases or certain kind of weather temperatures. If they're mm-hmm. not hunting the other side of the spectrum, they don't know what they don't, you know, they don't know what they're missing because they're not out. There. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I agree. Mean, I think yeah,
2: it's also very much um, a uh, more Midwestern type thing to not hunt mornings. But whenever you're from the South, like we are, you understand that. It's uh 98 until 8 (laughs) PM, you know, 98 degrees and the coolest part of the day is the first 30 minutes of the morning. And that's when the deer are going to be on their feet. So looking forward to this next week here, I know that it traditionally, we like to put a number on it. So somewhere between zero and the deer jumping the blind with you, what do you expect the buck movement to be in the coming
7: week? I would say it's gonna stay consistent from what we've seen the past uh, two weeks. And I would say probably uh six to seven, you know. Mm. Good mm-hmm. good movement as long as you're understanding your pressure because and when I say that is because these deer are still in their summer schedules. They are right now, they are eating and they're hiding. They are they are consuming that six to eight percent of their body weight and they're hiding. It's all they're really doing for the most part. And of course I know they're social animals and they do different things, but my point being is that Velvet, most, most of the velvet right now on these bucks are going to be uh, off. Bigger bucks typically shove the velvet first, but that testosterone is going to start to spike. They're going to start to make more signs, rubs, scrapes, bachelor groups are going to break up. They're going to start sparring. And that's when you see that big September shift to where they, sh- they separate and they're really kind of going in that next, next phase, which is the pre-rod. So right now, they're in that summer mode. They're eating, and they're hiding. And so I, my go-to move, exactly what I explained to you earlier, is figure out where they're feeding. But I don't really hunt on the food source. I hunt them coming back, um, coming back at first light. Because they, they are, if you can get on them, they are, they are much more relaxed. They've been out all night. They've been feeding, haven't been harassed for the most part, and they're just making their way back to bedding.
2: Yeah, yeah, man, sounds uh, like a good plan to me. I'm excited to get the season started. Pretty awesome to see you get the season started so well, Mark. Thanks for coming on and sharing your information.
7: Absolutely, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. It's been a blast.
2: Big congrats to all these guys on their opener bucks. I know it can be a grind out there in the hot month of September chasing these deer down, and I know that those guys put in some work and were rewarded in a huge way. If you haven't, go be sure and subscribe to the Element YouTube channel. You're going to get to see hunters hunt for the Tennessee velvet buck on there. Also on the Wired to Hunt blog, there's a cool article for how to take care of meat in the hot weather, which you're going to need to know if you're going to go chase some deer in September. Also, the Foundations podcast on the Wired to Hunt feed that Tony did recently about giving yourself some options when you're headed out. Make sure that you have plenty of options and places to ambush from. That way you don't pigeonhole yourself. Check that out if you haven't. Remember, stay fresh. This has been RutFresh Radio.
0: I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. You can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules